0: I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi friend, I'm back. I have missed you so much. I took a little break the last month or six weeks, I think it's been, and we moved and We're now down in Texas, we put all our stuff in storage, and we moved out of our home that we'd been in for many years and closed that chapter, so many sweet memories and saying goodbye to our house, and now we're on an adventure, and we're down in Texas, and our youngest is graduating from college down here, and we've rented an Airbnb, and then next we're headed to Pennsylvania to be with my son and daughter-in-law. We're going to be doing that end of May. And then we'll be back in Chicagoland beginning of June. So there's been so many things going on and I'm just really happy to be back here with you. And we have so many wonderful guests that are coming up on the podcast. So I'm super excited about that. And today I have two special guests, Shelby Spear and Lisa LaShaw, who you are going to really enjoy. They're real, they're funny. It's such a meaningful conversation that we have around motherhood and how we can feel alone in our struggles and our challenges. And between the two of them, they have been through the trenches and they have combined 66 years of parenting, step-parenting, grandparenting beef between them. So you are gonna love all that they share about their journey. And they have written a book together called How Are You Feeling Mama? You Don't Need to Say I'm Fine. So I know that you're going to feel so encouraged listening to both of them and all the wisdom that they have to share. So let's dive in. Welcome Shelby and Lisa to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I'm so excited to have you both on the show. So happy to be here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. We're going to have such a good conversation today. I have been loving reading your book. How are you feeling, mama? You don't need to say, I'm fine. Boy, do the moms need to hear what your message, what you have to share today. We need encouragement and hope for everything that that moms are going through right now.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. We're all going yeah. through it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I thought that we would just dive in and I thought it was fascinating. You're both different and I'm wanting to know how did you come together? How did you meet? One of you is Christian. One of you is Jewish. Why do you, you know, explain your differences too, because I think we need that in the world as well right now.
2: I agree. I think the the <laughs> most monumental draw for both of us is that we realize, despite our difference in our backgrounds and our culture and our religion, our upbringing, that all of those differences, our sameness as women and mothers overshadows every one of those differences and takes center stage. And so I think the appeal that we felt towards one another was based on that that similarity and that sense that, We're basically in a similar place as mothers and women where we're walking through the muck of motherhood and it doesn't matter if we're Jewish or we're Christian and who we worship and how often we worship, we're all in a similar trench. And if we just put aside those differences and stop focusing so much energy on where we're different, we're going to start to recognize that our sameness is what's going to take us through as mothers. Yeah. I believe that's, yeah, that's just beautiful. Yeah.
0: We need that. All the different ways, especially in our culture right now, that we focus on the ways that we're different Mm -hmm. and how much we are alike and that connection. You know, it's very disconnecting when we focus on our differences rather than what brings us together.
1: Yeah we join in our shared humanity and we love our children and we, and we love Lisa and I love each other. I mean, dearly. And that just is because I respect who she is as a human being. I respect, I mean, we're all children of God. We're all, you know, this trying to do our best out here. And and what makes us unique is what makes us beautiful. And if we were all the same, that would just kind of make life not, not so exciting. And, and it wouldn't be such an adventure. We learn from each other. I've learned so much from, from Lisa, you know, over, it's been what, four years now, I think. Has it been that long? It's been that long. And, but here's the thing. We've never met in person. No. Yeah. Seriously. Never met in person. We, We're pen pals we like,
2: of, of the next level. And this is, this is a partnership that, um, uh, doesn't involve a physicality in terms of we've never hugged. right this is this is a virtual love affair. and um, it's startling the the depth of this relationship and how profound it could be because sometimes we, we all get as as women and mothers, we all get caught up in so much noise. And Shelby and I, I, I think the fact that this relationship began, in the fashion that it did has enabled us to get to really really understand one another on a very intimate level because the noise that we always experience when we're out in the world and we're face to face is absent so we we really can pay attention to one another and 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 I truly adore her I'm, and we disagree on probably many platforms in life but where we intersect is the place that I think is most significant. And that is that our hearts are in the right place. And as mothers, we, we wanna show up, we wanna be present and we wanna love. And so in that respect, it doesn't matter whether you wanna show up, be present and love as a Jewish mother, as a gay mother, as a Christian mother, as a black mother, as a white mother, it doesn't matter the ingredients that have to be present. That's what Shelby and I understand. And that's where we connect. And and then we both, I think, I'm speaking for Shelby, of course, I know she'll jump in. Um, I think we recognize how essential it is to do motherhood, not solo, but in combination with other mothers, some of who are veteran mothers who, who walk this path, some of who are brand new, some are sitting in the muck with us now simultaneously trying to navigate this world. And and so for Shelby and I, this partnership has enabled us to explore motherhood on levels that I'm not sure people are given the opportunity. So it's been an absolute privilege. Mm -hmm. I think the book was the starting point. That was, despite the fact that we wrote it together, that was the ultimate stepping stone. And now um, we learn more just in this friendship every single day. And so I'm hoping there's another book in the works someday. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> with Absolutely. Shelby
1: I second everything she said. I mean, you know, we, so we met because um, <laughs> she'll tell you a, a fabricated version of this, but I found an article she wrote in guideposts that was beautiful. It was just, it just made me cry. And it was so touching and heart. And you can tell listening to her, her personality, you, you just get sucked into it. And the way she writes is exactly how she talks. Yeah. So, <laughs> so captivated immediately. And so I, I I posted it and tagged her. And then I sent her an email asking, you know, are you the Lisa LaShaw Because we wrote for Her View From Home. Because I was, I had also written for Guideposts and she was in Her View From Home and So I was just kind of connecting the dots and that's how it started. But she thinks that I was doing worse than that.
2: Right, Lisa? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Now, I could take the the gracious approach right now and just completely agree with you. I'm going to (laughs) segue to my truth. And my truth is you aggressively sought after me, similar to (laughs) stalking behavior. (laughs) But in a very, but a very generous way, and what I, what I recall, my recollection is that you asked whether or not I had authored the particular article in Guideposts, and then proceeded to list the other eight hundred and fifty articles that I had some involvement with over the last thirty-five years. So, (laughs) this is true, and I, I found that lovely. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I, I I did. I looked her up because I was enthralled. I'm like, who is this person? You know, like she's amazing. And, and so their book came from a uh, um, series, an email series. We were writing every day. We had people sign up and we would share our perspectives on these emotions. And we had such a great response. I mean, the open rate was like in the 80% through the whole time and people loved it all we did was put it on facebook so i said lisa this is a book why don't we reach more people with it and she didn't you know i had to twist her arm and bend her upside down and spin her arm. a few times yeah. <laughs> perfect because the psalms with her being jewish and me being christian it's we both tie into that with our faith backgrounds and there was literally a chart in um my bible that had the exact number of, and it was like the number of emotions that we want to do and it was tied to each song. So it was like meant to be, I feel like God.
0: Yeah. It's so powerful how, and you both are like yin and yang, you know, it was like reading how you're both uh, you know, it's both of them are so heartfelt, but I mean, I found myself like reading your Shelby and like, Ah, oh, and then I would read yours, Lisa,
2: and I'm like, oh. The, I think, and the revelation and the epiphany that we shared is that in the writing, in the, in the initial writing, the preparation for the book, we realized the amount of times that we cross over emotionally into places that mothers experience daily was nearly identical. And I think that's when Both of us sat back and said, you know, what's so fascinating is nothing that you think is going to apply to motherhood in in terms of what you're taught, the influences, your religious pride. nothing really, really, in, in terms of at least my view, matters that much, except that motherhood brings us all to a very similar place. At very similar times, with very similar reactions, except we don't know that. Because, well, prior to the internet, there was no opportunity to express ourselves. But with the the introduction of the internet, mothers have a tendency to kind of, I don't want to say embellish, but perhaps just put what they perceive as their best foot forward. So we're all misleading one another, not necessarily consciously or intentionally, but we're all putting ourselves in a position where we have to question what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. What is wrong with me? And why am I falling short of the mark? And what Shelby and I discovered is we're all in the same trench. And before they ever introduced Elf on a Shelf or Mensch on a Bench, I wrote an article for mental health magazine called we're on a bench in a trench. We're all in a motherhood trench and dependent upon what stage our children are at, at various intervals, we're seated on that bench with different people, With but the, the emotions are so similar. It's all shared. And I visualized when I wrote that article, sitting on a bench in a trench, that the older mothers, the women that had just experienced that stage would sit on the bench and when they saw us coming they would move over slightly pat the bench as if to say sit down wow. and join yeah. sit down and be part of this because that's the whole concept of this is not meant to be done solo right I- i've shared with shelby a little bit about the kibbutz in israel and i said maybe someday i could Take Shelby and we could go live on a kibbutz together for a while. But the whole <laughs> of women helping other women and sharing in the duties and understanding that in any given time, we're going to be overwhelmed as mothers. A, it's okay to raise your hand and say, oh, hello, help, I'm not all right. And B, there are rescuers, there are helpers, there are healers, there are other mothers there that will come in. It's no different than um, the elephant tribe. You know there are matriarchs and and ants that help raise the baby elephants, and I think when Shelby and I came to the conclusion that every difference we have is is insignificant in comparison to the shared sameness of emotions that we experience as mothers at all different intervals and stages, that was the pivotal moment when we realized. Everybody else is probably in this trench with us, except nobody speaks about it.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I feel like that's that keeps us so alone and isolated and really a block for even having that hope. I mean, you were talking, Lisa, about how important it is to, when we've been there, we can give hope when moms are going through that. And both of you are empty nesters now. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah yeah so your book also offers such a unique, you know, just message because you've been there, and when you think about looking back, what would you what would you have done differently? Lisa, do you want to speak to that? Now that you have older kids and you look back, is there anything that you think, gosh, I wish I would have done
2: probably three or four things differently. One, I would have listened to my instincts much more. Um, I just think that God gives a mother, uh, enhanced instincts. Once a child is born, I think they're in a dull kind of in the background faded for a while. And when that child comes into your life, I think that God just flips the switch. There's a click. And your instincts kind of just are hovering around and present all the time. Yet I think as young mothers, there's a tendency to just either be dismissive of them or not recognize that they're there and available. And we rely on so many other people. I think instincts guide us. I think number two, and Shelby knows I say this constantly, I would zippy the lippy. Uh, Raising children is a minute-by-minute daily battle. And I think that there are moments in life where we should say less. Mm -hmm. As we engage our children, we should sit back and become better listeners. And I wasn't the best listener. I, I did too much talking because I thought that it was incumbent upon me as the wise mother who supposedly knew more, to do the talking and to do the preaching. And invariably, that closes the door on the conversations. And that lets you learn much less about your children. So I would zippy the lippy, without a doubt. I would read less books written by supposed experts in the field. And I look towards the real experts, which are the mothers who have already walked through the phases that I'm now journeying on. And those are the mom veterans. I would have put my faith more so in them. And I would have, it kind of encircled myself with a group of mom veterans I, who I would have befriended um, Grandmothers, old wise scholars who I think tend to be pushed aside in favor of the more youthful moms because we want to bond and connect with mothers who are experiencing the stage of childhood in life that we are. But I ne- I would have never extricated those older women. I waited way too long. And so the experience I had once I engaged them was just um, it, uh, ironic, an understanding that maybe had I brought them in sooner, it it might have brought some change. I don't know, because as a young mom, I'm sure we're, we're closed off to older views, but that's what I would have done differently.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's so good. How about you, Shelby? Yeah,
1: well, yes, to all four of those. <laughs> For me, I think I, I can... Kind of lump into one major thing for me, which was I've learned that, you know, motherhood is like the most epic personal development tool on the planet. For me, I wish I, I had understood myself more and had more self-awareness in, and, um, was further along on the healing journey because I really needed help for my own mental health and my own traumas that I had not worked through. And that stuff was bleeding into motherhood, especially in the early years. And that really affected a lot of things because, um, you know, my self-love wasn't great. And, you know, you know, how we love ourselves impacts how we love our children. And it's not that I wasn't doing everything to love and pour myself into them, but a lot of it was, um, I wasn't able to do as, as much as I could have. I wasn't because I, you can't give away what you don't have. Um, inner strength. I was trying to do a one eighty and be everything that I didn't have as, yeah. a mom. and there's that saying that says 180 degrees from sick is still sick you know so if you're not understanding what's going on so my big thing now is is this mindset of when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change and there are so many things that i looked at with this particular lens look because of my past because of what i didn't understand about myself yeah. And assign meaning to all these situations with your kids. My fear and worry was off the charts, but I, but it was the way I was looking at situation, you know, it, what we think about the situation is way worse than what's actually happening. Oftentimes. Yes. Those are the kinds of things where I say it's overarching because having that figured out. And I, I encourage women now so much to do the self-care, get, Get your Jesus says we're blessed when we get um, our inside world, our mind and heart put right because as as within so without. So what? How I'm feeling in here is going to affect how I'm experiencing everything on the outside with my kids at every age and stage. So that's what I would do different, but a lot falls underneath that. You know what I'm saying? I I feel like you could
0: be telling my story. And that's how I started doing moms with tweens and teens, you know, how it started. It was my, my oldest, who's now 31 when she was a tween, I, I took her to therapy thinking I was going to fix her and then got brought into the sessions. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh. I think I need to fix myself. (laughs) You know, it was like, I think I'm the problem here. And there was so, there was a lot of unfinished business. Like I needed to heal Mm -hmm. and, and I look back on that, and although I don't believe living in regret, I do have sadness mm-hmm. around thinking about the ways that I was so hard on her. Mm-hmm. And like you said, living in that fearfully anxious place, trying to give her, give her the things I didn't get mm-hmm. and overreacting. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it was like, I, I, was, I even got out some of my old journals because we're moving and so we're packing and I was reading them and I'm like, wow, like, Something now that I look at that was so little Mm -hmm. at the time was so big, like I just blew it, was way blown out of proportion. Mm -hmm. And it was more about me. It wasn't really about her and my Mm -hmm. own stuff. So,
1: well, I would encourage people too, though, is like we're doing the best we can with what we know, is my yes. And And when we know better, we do better. So, we can't then you know drown in guilt over it because we I mean we're doing our best we we're loving our kids like crazy
2: and trying to and that's and isn't that the key you know something if you had a sum up in in just a sentence or two what the best mothers do if there's even a concept called the best mothers (laughs) they just they show show up. up they're mm-hmm. present and they love. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's mm-hmm. no navigational map and there's no instructional manual. So I don't know why we walk through life with this assumption embedded in our minds, in our hearts, and our souls Perfection. that we must reach the pinnacle of mm-hmm. some place, some undefined phantom land of a of perfect mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are flawed human beings mm-hmm. that walk into this stage of life hoping and praying mm-hmm. that we will do what's best for our children. Mm-hmm. And because that varies by household, sometimes by day and by minute, we mm-hmm. we hold ourselves to a standard yeah. that we're bound to fail if we yeah. don't just say, wait a second. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm here, I'm here. I love this child, I'm going to do everything that is humanly possible in my power to express it. And in the midst of doing that, I'm going to falter, I'm going to run scared, I'm going to make mistakes, but I am not going to stop trying, and I'm going to make sure my child knows I'm here, I'm present, I'm available, and I love. Mm -hmm. And in the context of all of that, there's going to be muck. And there are going to be days that you just say, I'm so trapped. If I can't locate an exit ramp, I'm going Mm -hmm. to lose my mind. Mm -hmm. And there are days when we do lose our minds and then we patch ourselves back up and we come in. And I think if we would just go with that basic premise, I'm going to show up. I'm going to love to the best of my ability and I'm going to be present. Then we can't. Create that self-defeating attitude where we're constantly asking ourselves, "Did I do enough? Am I good enough? Is she going to be okay? Is he going to be okay?" Because I always say to myself, for every second in life that a mother devotes to asking herself the question, "Am I enough? Am I doing enough?" Then you're not present. Yeah. You're not- up you her. can't be. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be. You can't be absorbed in that mental outlook of, am I doing enough? Why is that mother doing better? In that comparison game, that just, you know, that's like the little runner that goes in a circle and eventually you dig yourself into that hole and you're, you're deep, deep, deep in that trench. And I just wish there was a signal that every mother could come up with that the moment she began that self-defeating, toxic mantra, am I enough? How come I'm not as good as her? I wish that we had a signal. I mean, Pavlov, they, you, know, you rang a bell and the dog <laughs> we had only own yeah. little signal That we would stop ourselves in that track and say, no, I'm here and I am trying. And if my child sees that I'm here, I'm present. I love her, and I am trying. That's the combination. I just
1: shared a meme this morning that said, um, "If we aren't careful, our kids grow up when we're not looking." Mm-hmm. And that's the thing: if we're not, uh, present, if we're not present, and we're consumed, and we're in our headspace, and we're living in the past, and we're projecting this worst that's case. Bad. Here now, and it, they grow up fast enough as it is. without being losing time because we're
2: we're worried about these things but i think that headspace is it is the toxic headspace and then we have to add to it and let's look at the harsh reality motherhood is can be a, a a place where you feel trapped sometimes and if we would just say that and get it out of the way. Yep, I feel trapped. I, I can't walk out of my kids the way I would on a grocery line where there's too many people in front of me. And recognize the severity of, of that realization that you can't just walk out. You, you can't divorce your children. The responsibility <laughs> is so overwhelming yeah. to, to bring another human being, not only into the world, but into adulthood and beyond for the rest of your life. I think if we would say that, we'd recognize it could be overwhelming and unbearable. And that's when we have to put in all the other pieces that enable us to be successful, starting with a support team of other mothers, where you could get into a room and you could say, oh my gosh, I I feel trapped. I want to run away from home. I almost ran away from home. But instead, I hid in the bathroom and pretended I was involved in some personal hygiene for two and a half hours. And and once we're truthful and once we start to share how difficult it is and be honest with one another, who isn't in the muck of motherhood? Yes, we have glorious milestones and there are triumphs every day, but there's also muck. And, and when we get trapped, I think it's okay to say I feel trapped I, I think sometimes we're, we we just ladle guilt upon ourselves oh no this is this is a beautiful blessing and I'm afraid if I speak my truth I'll be struck down by God and 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 something will happen or, or, or others. And, and that's not that's unreasonable. We're human beings and it's an overwhelming responsibility to raise a child yeah an exquisite one at that. But let's let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. The truth will
0: set us free. I mean, and why do you think that with your whole going back to your book that we feel like we have to say we're fine? Shelby, do you want to speak to that?
1: Yeah, I, I I think we actually believe that we're the only ones that feel these things, all these emotions. And to admit, it's almost like saying I'm weak and I'm not put together. You know, something's wrong with me. If I say I'm not okay. I have to admit that I've you know struggling, and I maybe social media has made that worse because as Lisa mentioned before, you know, people are trying to put all the best things online and sharing all these positive, all the wins, which are great. Um, but if I f- feel like I've been, you know just you know, really trapped and really struggling and not having the wins, and I go on and I see everybody's I, I, I don't want to say, hey, I need, you know, this is hard. I, I can't do this. And it's a societal, it's a construct that's out there that needs to be dismantled. We need to have a new way of thinking about it and a new way of, you know, um, authenticity heals. When I say to you, I'm drowning over here. I could just use an ear. Then that opens the door. Me being authentic opens the door for you to then be authentic because it's yeah. like oh, wow she's being vulnerable and she's allowing me to hold space for her then you form this relationship and then you feel safe and i can hold space for you but if we never if we hide all this behind closed doors yeah and i think we're that's the way it was back you know we're evolving people would would never even be having this conversation you know maybe 60 years ago or whatever but we're, we're getting better, but don't feel like you're the only one. You're not alone. We all are struggling with life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And how speaking the truth and saying I'm struggling, and then that opens the door for another mom to go, oh, really? It's not just my kid. Right. It's I, I'm not the only one that's struggling with this. And then your anxiety comes down and you feel. Yeah. Yeah, so funny. much, yeah, less alone, ready yeah. to go back into your house and not feel like, gosh, why is my family so screwed up? Right. right. You know, no, oh, this is, oh, really? Like, we're not perfect. Yeah. Kind of to your point,
2: Lisa, like we're human. <laughs> right. Yeah. I conditioned and trained to believe that we're supposed to be fine Throughout motherhood, and that we we fail to factor in that we have our own emotions and our own issues that come into play with our children. Sometimes they trigger them. Sometimes they're able to subdue us. But the bottom line is, we're separate entities from our children. And I think sometimes we don't recognize we're bringing in our baggage, our past luggage, along with our children. And I think because. We are conditioned to believe that motherhood is supposed to be an exceptional blessing. We've convinced ourselves that everybody else is faring better than us. And and of course, we discussed getting caught in that comparison game, which is the most unhealthy vortex, because it's like the spin cycle in the wash. You you can't really extricate yourself from that. Once you start that comparison game, you're likely to have a very distorted view of what's really transpiring in every household. And the bottom line is, I, I always tell my friends, At the moment that you're talking and believing that the mother next door is just finishing up, you know, all the little ancillary duties and the house is under control, the children left and they're they're in their classrooms on time. She's sitting on a rug in the middle of the living room with her head in her hands asking, how am I going to sustain myself into the next minute? And Once we have that imagery in our minds that the mother next door is on the same rug that we're on, that's when we can connect. And I think that's what gives us, uh, just in terms of a mental health outlook, a sense that we are never alone. Despite what we are constantly convincing ourselves, is we aren't alone. There is another mother sitting on a rug and she needs to be reached out to. And and if she's reached out to, then I call that the ripple effect. She'll reach out to another mother. Because once we all come into the same room, we realize as we started discussing half an hour ago, background, culture, heritage, religion, sexual orientation, they don't hold the candle to the sameness that we experience as mothers. And if we stop pointing fingers at all of the differences, and just quiet down for a moment, we would be able to hear one another. And the same exact cries for help, the same anxiety, the same angst, the same fears about the world we're raising our children in, it would all all come out. And I think we could all breathe a collective sigh of relief and say, it's not me. It's not me, it's it's all of us together. And in the glorious moments we celebrate one another, and in those heart-wrenching moments, we come together and we raise one another. And if we do that, then it's 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 like the kibbutz. We we have we have friends, and and that's I think that's what we need.
0: Wow, that's powerful stuff. You know, it is beautiful how the two of you came together because. So often we make it about, oh, she's doing it right, I'm doing it wrong, or she's doing it wrong, I'm doing it right. And just that you both come from different backgrounds and have come together and using the Psalms that speak to your heart, like each chapter, you've taken a different emotion that the Psalms speak to. And How beautiful that is, because when we get in our head, like you were saying, Shelby, and into that right or wrong or the comparison thing, it keeps us from our hearts. It keeps us from connection. Do you have anything else to add to that, Shelby?
1: Well, I mean, it's just it keeps us from this authentic, true space of of who we are, of connecting to the true space of our children, of, of other mothers, because that's not all that stuff in our head is illusion. It's not, re- it's not what's real. This is real. The heart that this is Yeah. the connection point. And if we can get behind all these walls and all these constructs and all this self preservation that we're all hiding behind or whatever, you know, we just, how do we pierce the veil and get to see each other heart to heart, soul to soul and our children too. I, I mean, it's, that's where the beauty lies. That's that's where freedom is, is for me, is to drop the stories, drop anything that's not, that's limiting, limiting my relationship with my child or another person in any way, because it's up to me. I'm yeah. the one who's got the stories. I'm the one who's got, you know, are these, is what I'm thinking about the situation with my kid, is it useful? Is it helping? Is it, You know, if not, why, why am I clinging to it? And it's the same goes with any differences that we have. Love prevails through all of that. Love overcomes the fear because it's, it's just fear is what it is. Fear of what we don't understand. You know, Yeah. we can understand that the love, we understand love. We just have to believe it for each other. You know, that love is important to you is important to me. And I have to believe that about you and see that in you. And the rest kind of just doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. It well, and no, it totally does.
0: And when we can give that to ourselves, we're, we're more, uh, we're able to give it to our kids more. Yeah. 100%. It, does, it does start with us. Yeah. yeah. Really yeah. good. Well, um, as we come to a close, we'll have to have you both back on because um, this is such good stuff. And I know it's going to speak to moms that are listening. Um, What is your favorite psalm? Do you have one out of every, do you have a favorite chapter in the book?
1: Well, mine is Be Still and Know. I mean, that's my favorite. Be be still and know God. 4610 or whatever it
0: is. I know. I love that. That's a good meditation.
1: I mean, to me, I'm a big meditator and stillness is where all the answers come. That's the receiving, listening to God. And that it's not talking to
2: God, listening to God. Really good one. How about you, Lisa? I no longer have a favorite song because I find that each one is applicable sometimes on a daily basis, dependent upon what stage of engagement I am in, in motherhood. So I've, I've come to appreciate them all at different places in different intervals. And I, um, I sing, I sing and I hum, I, I, Shelby knows this. I, I hum, I hum curse words so nobody can hear i person. cursing. <laughs> Um, i never realized you could hum and you could curse you just have to you can just hum and nobody knows you're cursing but you can say "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm," oh that's a good one if you come you come across fun loving and humorous and so (laughs) i i i sing loudly um when i'm most frustrated with my children i've been known to lay down on a rug and emulate um a magnificent temper tantrum, so that my children's eyes cross, <laughs> and and they wonder. And and I have found that, believe it or not, humor is probably one of the most advantageous resources that we have because we're not always in a position where we can reach out to another mom. We don't always have the Bible within two inches of ourselves, but we have humor. That that that's from within, and it's a marvelous tool. And I I just think if we're not utilizing humor in motherhood, we're, we're gonna fall short of the mark because it, it, it's just overwhelming sometimes. And we need to be able to laugh at motherhood in general, at ourselves as mothers, at our children, as we all take this journey. Um, and we're always near the edge of a cliff. I, I do think that you have to find something to laugh about. Yeah, humor
0: is, there's a reason they say humor is the best medicine. For sure. Yeah. yeah. We tend to take ourselves way too seriously. Yep. Well, tell our listeners where to find each of you. So Shelby, you want to go first and.
1: Yeah. If you just go to shelbyspear.com, I, that's got all of my social media links. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, writer page on Facebook. So and don't... tell them what you're up to because we didn't fully get to that. What you... Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm actually doing kind of switching into some um, face-to-face. I'm doing some teaching now. I got a license in uh, emotional intelligence and meditation. So I'm doing a lot of working with moms and other women, just getting that mind, you know, changing the way we look at things. So the things we look at change, a lot of mindfulness stuff and slowing down, being still, that kind of work. And um, so I'm excited about that. I'm going to transition that more of that into what I'm putting online as well, just because that's where I'm at and that's what's really made a difference. And that's what I would have wish I had more of understanding myself, you know, as a younger mom. And I think it's important. These last couple of years have been a lot and yeah, will seem to be more apt or wanting to be more self-reflective. And how can I, how can I be the change? You know, yeah. so where I'm at with that stuff.
0: Yeah. We need more of that moms for sure. So, and what you feel passionate about,
1: what's helping you. Yeah. And there is a book I'm writing with, do you know um, Esther Getz? I don't think I do. The big kids. Yeah. We're writing a book for a big kids. <gasps> Okay.
0: I do know big kids. Yeah. But okay.
1: And okay. it's to be for parents with kids that are older in the empty nest and then whatever Lisa and I, what our next book will be. We're supposed to have a podcast. What I'm going to say out loud on here, but we haven't done it yet. Breathe, Mama, Breathe is the name Lisa came up
2: with. Woo! I love it. Okay, go ahead. I've recently retired um, from my career as a therapist, so now what I do is I just I'm on the periphery and I just offer my home phone number to mothers that just feel like they need a listening ear because. More often than not, I have found, and I will believe this forever, mothers have the answers. It's just sometimes it appears so befuddling and so bewildering. And if you offer a mom just a chance to be a listening ear, most mothers discover in the context of a conversation what they need to do. And so I just decided as I retired from my career to just to stand on the outside and just offer my phone number and uh, just an opportunity if somebody wants to just chat, um, I'm open and receptive to that because I think if we had an opportunity to just chat more when we're on that edge and the cliff looks very near to us, uh, we could all pull ourselves back. There needs to be a give back stage for moms as we age Um, through so many phases um, the give back for me is just to say to a younger mother, I I walked through this journey and I recall how difficult it was and I will listen. And sometimes listening is the most therapeutic offering we can make. We don't have to have the answers. Yes. Thank you for this yes, lovely opportunity. Any chance to be with Shelby is is joyous, but I, I'm just um, feeling very privileged that you offered us this Format and this yes. wonderful platform, and I just think that show more women like you who engage other mothers on this level. Um, it's life affirming and life sustaining, and we just all need a lifeline, and and this is a lifeline, and it's transformative. And I uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent.
0: Well, and both of you, I mean, I'm so appreciative to get to know both of you and the way that you're supporting moms and. Putting into the world just more of what we need, that encouragement and that community and to know that we're not alone. So
1: thank you. Yeah,
0: honor to have you on the on the podcast. Honor to be here. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Hugs and kisses to everybody.
0: Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. And I'm excited to see you back here next week. And I just want you to know that. If you want to connect with me and you have questions or challenges that you're facing, I do on the Moms of Tweens and Teens Facebook page every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, I answer your questions. And you can either show up there at 9 a.m. Central, or you can email me questions to address during that time at Cheryl at Moms of Tweens and teens.com And just put in the subject line question for for uh, the Facebook Live, because that is a place where I address so many of the emails I get on a daily basis. And what I have found is so many of the challenges that we're all, that we're going through so many people, we relate. And that when I answer one question, so many moms on there are going, me too, me too. Oh my gosh, I'm going through this. So it's just a wonderful time to really speak into your life and whatever it is that you're experiencing. And I share a lot of um, my own stories and what I have found helpful as well. So hope you'll join me there. And I hope to see you back here next week. So thanks so much for joining me, friend. And I will see you soon. Have a great